Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right, good morning, everybody. Great to see you guys. Thank you for coming back after at the movies. I know it's a lot of fun when you go to the movies, but you got to come back home at some point. But uh, thank you guys. And what I want to say before we dive into this week's new series, I want to just say a huge heartfelt thank you on behalf of our staff, the whole Brazos Fellowship, that before this series ever started, I challenged you guys to invite your friends, coworkers, next door neighbors, sweet mate, whoever you can invite. And you guys did that like crazy. It was incredible. Over the four weeks of At the Movies, record crowd bigger than we've ever had. We had 8,075 total people came. Yes. 22 adults gave their life to Christ and committed to follow Jesus Christ. Can we just give God a hand? I just want to say, all of that happened because somebody invited somebody. That simple act, I know it's scary sometimes because they might say, no, I'm busy. Like, and I know that really hurts to hear that. But the upside is if they say, yes, wow, it can really make all the difference. And some of you are saying, I'm so glad somebody invited me. As a matter of fact, you probably saw in the video earlier in the service, Jonathan Ortiz shared about somebody from the gym inviting him to Brazos Fellowship. And I would dare say every single person you saw baptized this morning has a story of being invited by somebody somewhere at some time. Be that person for somebody else. Continue to do that through the fall. I just want to challenge you, don't give that up just because we're through with at the movies, okay? So just keep that in mind as we go through the week, and I'm going to do the same thing. I'm not asking you to do anything that I and the staff are not committed to do as well. So this morning, we're going to start a brand new series entitled Half Truths, where we're going to look at a series of statements, statements that are used by well-meaning Christians, Christ-following people, but at best, these things are only about half true according to the Bible. We're going to look at a couple of them today. I'm going to look at all five of them today, and then we're going to dive into the first one in just a second. Here they are. They're phrases like, God helps those who help themselves. Everything happens for a reason. God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. God won't give you more than you can handle, and love the sinner, hate the sin. Now, all of these have some kernel of truth. There's some truth there, but there's also some parts of it that are not true, and it can make them quite dangerous. And some of these phrases I have seen really damage people's faith, and some of them have gone so far as to cause people, because they got so frustrated, to walk away from God and faith, because someone used it on them, probably at an inappropriate time, in a way that didn't really apply, and it wasn't true. And the reason that they're so damaging is because they're not accurate to what God actually said and who he actually is and how he's actually revealed himself in Scripture. And so we're going to take a closer look at that today because it's so important that we understand what we believe and we're able to discern and carefully um, cut away the parts that culture gives us that are not true and they're not a part of our beliefs because our beliefs will impact our behavior. 
Your kids, your grandkids, their beliefs will impact their behavior. As a matter of fact, I would say there's no behavior that we have that did not start, first start as a belief. It was a part of a belief system, a worldview. It was a system that we believed. Even the most inappropriate, horrible behaviors you can imagine people do came from a belief system. This is why it's so important to examine what do we actually believe about certain topics. Because misbelieving also leads to misbehaving. When we have our beliefs are off, it's going to cause us to behave. And we all know that behavior always carries with it consequences that you and I will have to live with for years to come. Both good behavior has good consequences, bad behavior has bad consequences. So let's take a closer look at some of the things that we believe and try to discern what is the truth about this. So this week, we're going to dive into this idea, this concept, this phrase, this philosophy. I would even say it's a, a theology, not a good one, but it's a theology that's been adopted by culture of God helps those who help themselves, okay? Now, one of the first times I remember thinking, wow, this is a much bigger deal than I thought. This was years ago, back when Jay Leno was hosting The Tonight Show. He had a segment of the show, and some of you might remember this, called Jaywalking, where he'd go out on the street with a microphone and talk to just random people, uh, usually in Los Angeles somewhere, and he's asking them random questions and getting the most random answers, okay? But one time, one of the shows, he was asking people to name as many of the Ten Commandments as they could remember. And I remember being shocked by the number of people who said, God helps those who help themselves, which, some of you are laughing because you know, that's not one of the Ten Commandments, okay? But there was a lot of people that thought that it was, okay? And what's interesting is that the Barna Group, which is a national research firm, a lot like Gallup, uh, recently did a national poll showing that over 80% of Americans, over 80% of Americans believe that God helps those who help themselves is a verse of Scripture in the Bible, and over 50% of Americans believe that it is, they strongly are convinced, they said, strongly convinced that it is a major theme of the Bible. It is nowhere to be found in the Bible, by the way. That scripture is not in the Bible. But God helps those who help themselves. It's been with us for quite a while, and we need to talk about it. But the question is, after I've shared all that with you, is does that mean that there's no truth in it at all, that it's not true at all. But I would say to that question, well, it's about one-third true, okay? Um, about one-third true, and in two other ways I'm going to show you today that it is not biblical at all. So what I'd like to do is take it one idea at a time. First, we're going to start with the truth. The first truth about this statement is that it is true that we should pray and we should work hard. In other words, God teaches throughout the Bible that we should take personal responsibility for us, for ourselves. That is absolutely true. Think about when you have a mealtime prayer. We pray over meals at times, but by us praying over a meal, does that make the food magically appear on the plate? That's a good way to go hungry, right? That's not how it works. No, when we bow and pray, we realize, no, we have earned a paycheck, and we've taken part of that paycheck down to 
H-E-B or Kroger or somewhere. We bought food, and we brought it home, prepared it, put it on the plate. There was work involved, and we are thanking God for the capacity to do all those things. He's the one that provided the job. He provided the place to get the food. He provided, he provided, and we're thanking him for that. It was funny because we were talking about this week, my youngest daughter, Emily, when she was younger, back in elementary school, uh, when she would pray over the dinner meal, uh, man, that girl would get down into the minutia of what God had done. She would start all the way back, Lord, thank you for the earth that can grow the plants and the farmer that put in the hard work to grow and harvest, and then the truckers that brought it to H-E-B and the stockers who put it on the shelves. And we're just like looking at each other, snickering during our prayer, like trying to be as serious as we could. And, and for Mama, putting together the grocery list and figuring out how to, and then she cooked it, and then we have it here on the plate. Thank you. What was she doing? She's just connecting the dots. That God did all this, but it all happened because a whole lot of putting... But a whole lot of people put in some hard work. We all had to do our part in order for this to take place. But it was a gift from God. And it was something that he expected us to participate in. And what's interesting in the New Testament, we see the Apostle Paul talking about this exact issue. In Paul's second missionary journey, we know of that Paul took three different missionary journeys where he would start a series of churches, New Testament churches, after the ascension of Jesus. And one of the churches that he started was right on the edge of the Aegean Sea. It was a seaport city called Thessalonica. And he wrote two letters in the New Testament we call the Thessalonian letters. And when he started this church, he taught, among many other things, to these new Christians in this little town, he taught them, you need to trust God with all of your heart, and you need to understand that Jesus is coming back. Yes, the Jesus that resurrected from the dead, ascended to heaven right in front of our eyes, he's going to come back and collect his people at some point. So, in response to what Paul had taught after Paul had left Thessalonica, some of the people said, well, I'm going to quit my job, and I'm going to just go home and wait for Jesus to come back, and I'm just going to trust him in the meantime to provide food on the table, and I'm just going to let him. In other words, they were just mooching off the church is what they were doing, and their laziness, word of their laziness, had made its way back to Paul so Paul sits down and writes another letter to Thessalonica. He, here's the second Thessalonian letter. And part of the letter, in chapter 3, verse 10, he addresses this issue. He says, let me give you some special instructions for people who are choosing that way of life. And here's what he says. It's really fascinating. He says, for even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one, and if we could, let's read these highlighted words together. The one who is unwilling to work shall not Wow. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? We hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. I love that Paul threw that in there, right? Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. Take personal responsibility for yourself, right? This is Paul saying it's important for you to do your part, this part is true about God helps those who help themselves. Let me talk about two other ways in which it is not biblical. Here's the next one. Sometimes the untruth is that people have used God helps those who help themselves 
as a way to avoid our obligation to help others. And it goes something like this. Hey, they got themselves into this mess. They can get themselves out of this mess. You know, like we say here in Texas, you can pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, right? You got yourself. You can do this. Come on. Put in some more work. Try harder. Man up. Woman up. You can do it, right? We, we, we like to tell each other that. Sometimes that's totally not appropriate because sometimes people absolutely are in situations they cannot help themselves. Sometimes people are so deep in a hole that they cannot climb out of it without some help. And what was interesting is that recently, one of the people that God used to help remind me of this truth was a man out of Austin, Texas named Alan Graham. Fascinating guy. He used to be the CEO of a very successful real estate investment and development firm in Austin. Started following Jesus Christ and through a series of events, he felt God calling him to leave his really good full-time job and go full-time into a ministry that he calls Mobile Fishes and Loaves to address the homeless issue of Austin, Texas. He said, it was breaking my heart. Like somebody had to do something about this issue in Austin and nothing was working. I had to do something. And I want to share with you in a video what has happened in Alan's life, the extraordinary investment of one man and what God has done just to date. They're not finished yet, but take a look at this. We are not individuals on an island, and we do not pick ourselves up by the bootstraps. We desperately need each other. Our mission is to the chronically homeless. These are the folks that we love the most. Awesome, man. What's your name? Mike. Mike, I'm Alan. Years ago, when we started the food truck operation, going out and feeding people, we had no clue who the homeless were. Hey, brother. Y'all need some food? There we go, right here. We began to learn that the single greatest cause to homelessness is a profound, catastrophic loss of family. When we bought our first RV to lift one guy up off the streets, we were clueless. As we just said yes to these little calls, the Lord equipped us to do what it is that we're doing better and better and better. And out of that stemmed the Community First Village. It has been simply amazing to me the depth and breadth of community support that this vision has had. Here, we have built an RV park on steroids to lift chronically homeless men and women up off the streets. 140 microhomes designed by some of the most gifted architects in the world and an RV park of 100 RVs. Providing palliative relief to men and women who are in a state of suffering that you can't fathom. People that are battling addictions, mental health issues, loss of jobs. They come into this village, they settle, they begin to cultivate and they start caring. Incredibly, our friends that are moving into the village, they are now feeding their neighbors that are stranded on the street corners. 
It's transformative. solve homelessness, but community will. <laughs> what impact will this have? How will this echo throughout eternity? wanted to show that to you. Yeah, you can give the Lord a hand for what God is doing through them. I just wanted you to see that because if Alan Graham had adopted the mentality, God helps those who help themselves, this is not my problem, that would not have happened. Those people would not be helped. They'd still be on the street and might not be alive. I want you to see that God has always been about using his people to meet needs of those who are hurting and in desperation and are uh, distressed around us. As far back as 3,500 years ago, before the children of Israel ever went into the promised land, God set into place commands for his people to provide for the poor and the foreigner and the distressed of the land. I want to show you this in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 22, this incredible command. This is a command of God and how important it was to him that they would do this and take care of people. He says, when you reap the harvest of your land, none of them even had any land yet. They had never even been there yet, right? You do, um, do not reap the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the, let's say it together, leave them for the, the poor and the, the foreigner residing among you. I, the Lord your God, I am the Lord your God. He's saying the poor, the people who are they're desperate, downtrodden, that are in abject poverty situations, and the foreigner, they have no connections. They may not know the language. They don't have any land. They don't have any opportunities to provide for themselves. I want you to be the answer to their prayer. I want you to help provide for them. And what's interesting, implicit in this command, which to God was as important as any of the other commands, was the fact that your wealth and your property aren't yours. They are a gift from me, God's showing them. He's saying, I want you to understand your managers, not owners of this stuff. So when I ask for you to give some of it back, you shouldn't say, well, God, that's my wealth. I've worked for that. That's for me. I, I don't want to give that away. They understood that all of this is God's anyway. So this isn't even necessarily me being all that generous. This is just me being faithful with, with what belongs to God because this is what he asked us to do. And in those moments, these people got to be the hands and feet of the Lord to others. They got to be the answer to the prayer for somebody else. And what's so fascinating is that in this moment, you see 
that God is showing them, I want you to not simply give a handout, but a hand up. I want you to help people up and out of the pit that they're in. This requires a greater commitment. This requires greater love and compassion for other people, not just a quick band-aid, not just a couple of bucks, but it's like, how can we commit, come alongside, and help those around us? It's so incredibly important. The half-brother of Jesus, James, when we come to the New Testament, he echoes the same type of sentiment. In James chapter 1, verse 27, here's what James said. He says, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, the Father, means caring for the orphans and widows in their distress. In other words, the reason I'm telling you to pay attention to and meet the needs of widows and orphans is because they're in distress. Who else is in distress around you right up to this day? 2019. It may be still widows and orphans for sure, but there may be others around you. And he goes on to say, and refusing to let the world corrupt you. What does he mean there? He means that the world has this sneaky, pervasive attitude that you should make it all about you. You should spend every cent you make on you. You should consume all your income yourself for your family because it's all about you and forget about the fact that it is a gift from God that you have been blessed with this. And God is saying, I want you to set aside some of that to be somebody else's answer to prayer. I want you to help somebody else out. I want you to look around yourself and find the widows and the orphans. I want you to find those who are in distress around you. And I want you to continue to let your faith motivate you to action to meet needs. So incredibly important that we keep doing this. This is something Jesus taught over and over again. In places like the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10, and the parable of the sheep and goats, Matthew 25. I don't have time to read those to you, but Jesus makes an enormous point in both of those to say, look, it's not enough just to have faith. Faith's great, but that faith ought to be motivated to help meet needs around you, people who are hurting. You ought to be willing to use some of what I've given you to bless and help those around you. It's so, so incredibly important. In other words, the truth is, the truth is, we are instruments of, God's, of God to use to change this world. We are instruments God uses to change this world. That's the truth. And I love how the Apostle Paul wraps this all up in Galatians, this letter to the church in Galatia, chapter 5, verse 6. He said it this way, for in Christ Jesus, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through, through love. Faith expressing itself through love. Like, and even Jesus said in John 13, 34, and 35, this is how they'll know you're my disciples. If you love one another the way I loved you, when you show that love, when your faith is expressed through love, all of a sudden, they get a picture of me. They get to see me. And there's nothing greater that you could show them than me. And that happens from selfless love and care. And it's being willing to adopt a, a philosophy that says that God doesn't just help those who help themselves. Sometimes God says, I want you to go and help those who cannot help 
themselves. And here's the other untruth that I want to share with you today. The other untruth is this, that God helps those who help themselves is how we should approach God for help. This is false. This is how we should approach God for forgiveness, mercy, salvation. God helps those who help themselves. In other words, somehow you got to earn it. you got to work for it. you got to be good enough for it. Nowhere in the gospel, nowhere in the New Testament does that have support. As a matter of fact, there are going to be many times, and some of you are painfully aware of it in your life right now, that you cannot help yourself. You've tried over and over. You're in such a dark place with sin and despair. You don't know how to get out of it. But the beautiful news is, is that God is the God who loves sinners, and He comes for us. He seeks us out. He looks for us. He loves us. He comes into the darkest places of our life, and He meets us there. He brings peace, and He brings hope to our anxiety and our, our despair that's eating us alive. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You can hardly sleep at night because it's so intense. Your children can't. It's one of the number one epidemic issues of college students today. Anxiety and despair, loneliness. And God says, I will meet you in the middle of that. And some people say, but, but I caused this, God. It's my fault. I, I don't deserve your forgiveness. I'm the one. It's my choices that got me into this mess. And that may be true, but that does not stop our God he says, I will come for you anyway, and I will forgive you, and I will give you the hope you don't deserve. And that's what we call grace, the grace of God. And grace is something we cannot work for, we can't earn, we can't be good enough for it, we, we, we can't help ourselves to it, we can only pray and ask for it and receive it. It is a free gift from God. I love how the psalmist said this in Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2. They said, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. What a great parallel. What a great thing to look at. My problems are pretty big, but look what you did, God. Heavens and earth. I mean, compared to that, not nearly as complicated. All right? You did all of this. I can trust you. And, and I just want to challenge you at the end of this message. Some of you... If you can help yourself, you need to. Take personal responsibility for yourself, absolutely you need to. Some of you need to be open and responsive to the prompting of God in your life, that he's making aware to you that there is somebody in your life that is hurting and that cannot help themselves. They need help. They need assistance. They need love. They need what you could bring to the table. And you could be the hands and feet of Jesus to that person. You could be the physical manifestation of an answered prayer to that person, whoever it is in your life. You could be the instrument of God's grace to another person. This is what Jesus intended for his followers, to be that for each other. And for some of you here today, if you're really honest, you're in a place where you're stuck and you have tried and tried, and you can't help yourself. You can't fix this. You don't have the strength. You don't have the knowledge. You don't have the resources. You can't do it. You've tried over and over again. 
and you are guilt-ridden over the fact that you deserve what you're getting. And how dare you ask for God's help? But that is not the heart of God. You feel like, my choices, my stupid, idiotic choices have gotten me into this mess. How dare I ask for God now to swoop in and forgive me? But that's not how he sees you. He wants you to know, I am here, you matter, I love you. And there is nothing, not one thing that you can do or you have done or you have been unable to do that can separate you from my love for you. I'm crazy about you. I want you to see that Jesus' death and resurrection was a payment that shows you how great my love is for you. And this is what we call grace. And that grace is available to you today. Where is it in your life right now, ladies and gentlemen, where you're hurting, desperate, you cannot help yourself? Because the truth is, God helps those who cannot help themselves. That is the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wouldn't have had to come to earth if we could have fixed ourselves. And we still can't. And we can't on our own fix our marriages. And we can't on our own fix our finances and fix our kids and fix our parents and fix our... We can't. But with His help, all things are possible. And I just want to encourage you today, would you be willing to lay some stuff down to stop trying to sell yourself on this false reality that God helps those who help themselves. He helps those who can't help themselves. They're willing to admit that. And right now, I'd like you to bow with me in prayer. We're going to pray this application prayer. The application prayer of simply saying to Jesus, saying, Jesus, help me to pray and to work hard and to show compassion to those in need, even if I think they don't deserve it. Because the reality is, neither did we. We didn't deserve it. You think somehow we were good enough for God's love and grace and mercy? No, we weren't. It's a free gift. And God says, and I want you to show that same kind of love to other people. And I'm asking for you, this is a continue the prayer, I'm asking for your help where I cannot help myself. Where is that for you today? For some of you, that might be, I have never have an intimate walk with Jesus. And I want to begin that today. You can't do that on your own. It's a gift that he offers to you, his gift of grace. And for some of you, you're feeling stuck. You're feeling in despair in a dark place, maybe in your marriage, maybe in finances, maybe with your kids or your future. Something's got you kind of freaked out, scared, some place where you've tried over and over and over and it's not working. Invite Jesus into the middle of that. Invite the Lord to intervene into your situation right here, right now. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.